The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Here's a special bonus episode for you. We're excited here at Adventures from the Shed to be taking on the Dungeons and Dragons adventure, Curse of Strahd. Mickey, JJ, Kurt, and Joe talk about what we expect. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com, on iTunes, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher Radio, all over the place. Definitely find us on iTunes. Give us a good rating. It helps other people find us. That's one way you can help contribute to the show. We are here for a special episode today. You may have seen through our social media notes or other comments in previous podcasts that Adventures from the Shed is about to take our shot at the Curse of Strahd campaign from, from Dungeons & Dragons. Kurt's You're very excited, excited about I this. Excited. I love horror, gothic <sighs> horror. So today's special preview episode uh, is us talking about what we're getting ready to do. And for that, we're going to go around the table and say hi, starting with... Hi, everyone. This is Mickey. And do you want us to say who we're playing or uh, we're going to get to yet. that letter? We'll get okay. to there. That's it. Just Mickey. JJ here. Hey, it's Kurt. And I am Joe. I'm going to be a player in uh, The Curse of Strahd as we get started. I'm going to kick it over to JJ, who's going to tell us a little bit about what we're going to cover today. All right, so we're going to be playing Curse of Strahd, like Joe said. And um, I'm, I don't know if you listened to any of our previous uh, games where I was very lenient about like either allowing us to roll our stats or um, you know use tons of magic and everything else. Uh I'm, I'm, I'm sticking more toward the standard array this time. Um, and what's going to be really interesting is the fact that we only have three players. And this campaign is designed for four players. And um, I think to balance that, what I'm doing is I'm going to allow the players to be all level four to start. Okay. Um, and I think that, that'll help at least at first because you'll still be a level 12 party. Okay. You know, four people level three, mm-hmm. three people level four, same thing. Um, where it's going to get interesting is going up in level, um, going mm. into the various areas. Uh, Strahd is set up so that um, it has massive amounts of replayability uh, through the use of the tarot card deck. And um, we've already done the tarot card reading. Um, I'm going to add a cinematic element to it uh, for the first episode. Um, but it has allowed me to start tailoring the adventure right now to the party. Um, cool. So there is that. We will be using milestones rather than XP to advance in level. Um, when the party defeats either a named villain, achieves um, a storyline um, furthering, a plot goal, or if the um, party managed to secure the ally, a named ally. Um I expect this to be a very difficult campaign. Um, there's probably going to be uh, a greater than 50% chance that somebody's going to die somewhere along the way. Ooh, ooh I picked Mickey. I mean, oh, her character. Gee, thanks. Dang it. <laughs> Jerk. Um, and for this campaign, I have uh, essentially set the criteria that a range of characters must be met. Um, and for that, I actually... Uh, I said we need someone who has a hit point soak, and I mean we need somebody who can provide some method of healing. And uh, I believe that 
Joe has uh, stepped up to be the healer. I'm going to play the cleric. You're going to play the cleric. Um, Mickey has stepped up to be the hit point soak. She's going to be the uh, the paladin. paladin. Yep. And then that left uh, Kurt free to play his heart's desire. I'll be playing a wild mage a, sorcerer. A mute bard. A mute bard. There <laughs> a we go. wild mage sorcerer. <laughs> yeah. I was torn between playing a rogue, uh, kind of an assassin type rogue, or an arcane trickster rogue, or the sorcerer, but I decided the sorcerer would be fun, uh, particularly with the random element thrown in by the wild mage or wild magic class. Fair enough. Um, we will be using Roll20 uh, to organize this campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be something a little bit different. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be doing any kind of screen capture. We'll um, try and get some uh, visual element added for people to see, yes. But uh, uh, we here at The Shed, we've, uh, we're going to utilize a TV screen as our, uh, our map. And we'll be using tokens on the map in order to uh, facilitate true D&D type fashion um, combats. It's going to be less theater than mind, though I will still be describing and the characters and the players will also be describing what they're doing so that those of you who are in audio only format won't miss a beat. Um, That being said, because it is Roll20, um, I have actually uh, purchased uh, the maps from Mike Schley uh, he is the artist that uh, made the Mass for Curse of Strahd. So I actually have um, I've, I've had a great deal of fun um, prepping those maps. Yeah, that's Changing cool. them from PDF format into a JPEG <laughs> and yeah. uploading them into Roll20 and trying to get the map sizes to match the, yeah. the format. So it's, it's been interesting. Um, I know as part of our getting into it, we're doing a little side thing with the Death House yep. scenario, and we started using Roll20 with that, and I enjoyed it a bit. I, I actually like the ability to describe the room a little more because we can see the map. Exactly. So even though it, it may just be audio, we're still going with a map we can see so that we can see the statue in the room. We can see the curtain according to the map, and we can talk about it and describe it that way. Yeah, I think one of the players even said, like, you know, I walk close to the fireplace. And mm-hmm. like that, that's an element I think that gets lost sometimes whenever, you know, Joe first describes the room, theater of mind. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we're talking in character for five minutes, and then... But at that point, everyone's kind of forgotten that there's... Oh, were we in a room? Right. Exactly. So I think the, those visual cues will help um, the, char- the players keep in character a little longer. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and, and part of the, the getting ready for the campaign is a little extra work because of the Roll20. And it we're going to see how it plays out for us. Um, I'm actually... Uh, I haven't actually discussed it with you yet, Joe, but I'm Uh-oh. going to be doing um, just the monster manual. Okay. I'm not going to be incorporating other than a, other than a token mm-hmm. uh, to indicate the monsters on the on the on TV. Okay. I'm not going to be loading their stats or anything. Okay, that's it. that's cool actually. You know, it yeah. just, I think it's easier. The the roll twenty system isn't. I don't know. It doesn't feel as friendly to me. As yeah, if we were using everything as SRD and not oh, yeah, from a campaign, no it might be easier. But yeah, putting trying to put all the custom stuff in isn't so easy for newcomers. And one one of the options I was kind of exploring was uh, using Fantasy Grounds okay. um, to uh, facilitate this, and that's it's got such a huge upfront cost. Yeah, it can be up there. Yeah, um, I think for us. 
the way we're going to use it because we don't care about the rules piece. We're going to play out all the rules, make our own dice rolls and real yep. dice so we can hear them on the table, that type of thing. Something that just gives us the map and the ability to move our tokens around is all we really need. So uh, I actually want to hear from the players now um, their inspirations for why they chose the character classes that they chose. Um, I mean, I know I kind of put you in a little box as far as uh, <laughs> you have to choose this type of character, this type of character, and then the last guy can just choose what he wants. Um, you know, why did you guys make decisions you made? Go ahead, Kurt. Well, I, uh, I already knew that Joe was going to be playing a cleric, and I knew a little bit about his background, and I think I knew what Mickey was going to be playing as well. So I really like to try new classes and new characters, and I don't usually play the same thing over and over. Having said that, I did play a sorcerer just for a couple of episodes on the, the man podcast that uh, yeah. Joe, JJ, and I did, and I really enjoyed it, but it was complex enough that I don't feel like I got to understand it or play it f- fully properly. Uh, in 5th edition, sorcerer uses mechanics with sorcery points where you can trade sorcery points for spell slots, or where you can use sorcery points to kind of overpower spells with this meta magic concept, and there's a lot of, to me, complexity there compared to some of the other classes. And so I was intrigued by, based on the little bit that I played in the that Drow Wars adventure. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't really feel like I came even uh, nearly close enough to say, oh, I pl- I have really played a sorcerer. So uh, I thought it would be a good chance to do that again. I rolled a new character. I'm not trying to use her. Totally new character. Um, and then I'm, I'm happy to go into kind of the background and what his deal is, but maybe do you want me to do that now or do you yeah, guys want to? Yeah, um, I, I'm looking forward to uh, making your roll on a wild magic table. I am too. So the wild magic is this element, for those of you who don't know, where uh, basically every time I cast a first level spell or higher, the DM may make me roll, uh, I think it's ro- you roll a d20, and if I roll a 1, then I have to roll on the Wild Magic Surge table, which has a 100 random events that happen to your character. Yeah. Uh, it only happened to me that I got the 1 or that we rolled it for an effect one time in our little three-shot adventure, but for example, what happened to me there was I turned blue for a week. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the worst one, the one people talk about, uh, if you're a level 1 or level 2 party, it can be really disastrous, is you know, Cast a fireball, fireball on your feet. Yeah, cast on your feet, centered on your party, which can literally TPK a level one uh, mm-hmm. 5e party. Uh, but actually, if you look at this, and I looked at some other people who've done the analysis, there's more positive or like ambivalent to positive results than negative on the, on the um, table. So it either leads to something interesting for role play purposes, something positive, or in some cases, something really negative that you have to deal with and overcome. I mean, it can age your character, it can make your character younger, it can do all kind of weird things. <laughs> Um, it can grant bonuses or penalties. And I don't think it will come into play that often, but I did ask JJ. I said, I'd like to, if we're going to do this, basically have roll that every time there's an opportunity. So, like, yeah. instead of well, I mean, uh, they make me the, roll. The favors fortune thing, you can, you can give yourself advantage on, the, on an attack roll, and then you have to roll on it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Um, so, that's a great thing, because the idea of a sorcerer, you know, again, I always say for those of you who don't know, because if you're like me... And you haven't been playing your whole life. You may not know, but you know there's different spellcasting classes in Dungeons and Dragons. Kind of the original classic one is the wizard who studies tomes and scrolls and learns his spells, and then has to practice them each morning and memorize them. The idea with a sorcerer is different. You know, the sorcerer has kind of an innate source of magic that comes from either a bloodline or some random event that happened in his past. And the idea is it's a natural magic. It's not a studied magic. And so I like the idea that in, in my case, it's going to have come from a random event. 
that was beyond my control. And so it makes sense for there to be this wild magic element to it because I didn't study it. I don't have total control over it. I don't even know exactly where it comes from. So it makes sense that I wouldn't have total control over spells when I cast them. So I, I think from a role-playing perspective, it's, it makes sense with the character I want to play. From a mechanics perspective, I think it just adds this interesting chaotic element to the game. And uh, it'll just be fun to see what happens. It might be neat if you um, uh, just keep a, a special D20 handy. And just every time you cast a spell, just roll that at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, that's a good idea. If you want it to happen all the time, just pick a D20 of a special look, maybe a, you know, a, a big bright orange one or something right. like that. And so then as far as other facts, um, I don't want to go too deep because I want some of it to come out during play, but um, I'm going to be playing a half-elf. Um, it turns out, and this is truly not why I did it, but it turns out that's a great choice for sorcerers because they get a plus two to charisma as well as a plus one to two other stats, and charisma is the sorcerer's spellcasting uh, stat. I didn't do it for that reason. I just, I like elves, I like humans. Half-elves seem to make sense, and it worked out well. Min-maxing didn't even know it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not generally an optimizer, but it does work out well. Um, and then I'm using a background that they established uh, for the Strahd campaign called The Haunted One. And uh, if you guys go look at it, you can find it for free on the web or it's in the Strahd book if you buy it. And um, I actually went through and used the tables, as you may know from the Player's Handbook, um, for each character class they have tables where you can, uh, you can either roll or you can choose one for a personality trait, a flaw, and a, uh, I can't remember what the other one is, a bond. And then, and then there are trinkets, and you can get a random trinket. And I really, uh, the, the haunted one background is very much customized to a gothic horror adventure. Mm -hmm. So uh, I am going to have a monster hunter who, uh, I won't go too far into it, but at some point in his past, he opened an eldritch home and saw um, images that were so evil. Uh, actually, let me read exactly what it is off my sheet because it's pretty cool. Um, there's a uh, the, the background you have a harrowing event in your background and the yeah. one I picked was I opened an elder tome and saw things unfit for a sane mind I burned the book but its words and images are burned into my psyche the Necronomicon and so then that then drives my personality trait my ideal my bond and other things that and that I, also opened you to the magic exactly that's exactly right so I see that's right before that tome I was not a sorcerer and now I am a sorcerer and uh, as, after that and I mean, there's more in my background that I don't want to tell, but you know, my ideal is that I kill mo monsters to make the world a safer place and to exercise my demons. And I'm tormented in the, the torment that I have from that act has driven away a person I love, and I strive to win back the love that I lost. Fair enough. So, so considering the wild magic, this book turned you into a sorcerer who is five percent batshit crazy. Because uh, a, a roll of a one makes something wild happen. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, because I didn't grow up in a family yeah. of magicians or studying magic, I just don't have perfect control over it. Uh -huh. So, um, and there's a little I'd like more to, to think it it's that. more that you're insane, but 5%. Insane. But to be honest, the, the harrowing event and that tome, it was more important. It's, it's not so much that that made me a sorcerer. I almost don't care about that. I mean, I could have been a sorcerer before, but that's what drive, drove me on kind of this monster, monster hunter, like why I would be doing what I'm doing and seeking out the things that I want to kill. Cool. And his Thank name you. is going to be Teelan, and uh, I'll get into skills and things when we actually play, but mm -hmm. um, it's going to be fun. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I love horror movies uh, growing up. I loved horror movies, slasher movies. I've seen like almost every classic flick. Then as I got older, I really got into the gothic horror, uh, Victorian stuff, Lovecraft, all that. Um, I never played 
the true Castle Ravenloft adventure, but one of the only real campaigns I remember from my youth. It was very much inspired by uh, Ravenloft. So I'm looking cool. forward to revisiting and, and playing the actual Wizards of the Coast adventure as interpreted by uh, the great James Stevens. <laughs> the great James Stevens. Mickey, your turn. How do you go fluffing? Seriously. Yeah. You guys want a room? Um, <laughs> I will be playing... I chose this class because I've never played it before. Can you guys hear me now? I can hear you. It was just faint. There you go. I chose a paladin for this time around. I have never played this class before either in any of the games we've played. So when I got the list from James of things we could do, I instantly elected to choose that one. And as I tend to do, I just dusted off an old character that I used to play. Nostra, because you know, Nostra, Nostra, Nostradamus. <laughs> she is from the big nose in the sky. Noctra, excuse me, N O C T R A. Just dusted an old character that I played in a previous campaign. Um, so her, for I don't know how how much detail you want me to share, just kind of like who she, like who she is and what her motivations are. Noctra is uh, un, kind of undead. She was a soldier. Kind of undead. Kind of undead. being kind of pregnant. <laughs> she was a soldier, um, followed orders all the time in her previous life, fell in battle, and was resurrected by the Raven Queen and imbued with powers in order to seek the Raven, or to, to scourge the earth of all undead, essentially. That is her mission. Is to scour the earth of all undead. So she works for or follows the, the whim of the Raven Queen, does kind of what she desires Fair on enough. this plane. She's her instrument on this plane. And who is the Raven Queen? The Raven Queen um, in the D&D is the goddess of death, mm-hmm. but she's the goddess of true death. And undeath is vile an, to her. It's anathema because you're not really dead. You're kind of you're in between. Dead. So that's anathema to, to her. So that's what Noctra does. So Noctra in this in her previous game was a revenant, and a revenant is someone who's been uh, resurrected for a goal. Um, she's not escaping her death; it's just postponing it. So I'm not sure how it's going to translate. Because I built this character in 4th edition. It's going to be interesting to see how this translates to 5th edition. So, as always, patience as always. with Mickey <laughs> as she figures this out. Like, some of the things that, you know, translate directly. Like, Divine Smite is something that she had that basically anything that was undead within a certain radius of her, she knew exactly where they were. She could just eviscerate, you know, just... Ev- mm-hmm. Eviscerate now. Just re-dead. You could re-dead. Just re-dead them. You know, re-dead, just completely just wipe them out. But some of the other powers are going to be kind of interesting. And also playing a paladin. Um, she's the basically the, the tank of this party. Mm-hmm. And using, figuring out that mechanic and how, how it's going to work in combat is going to be interesting for me, I think. Yeah, I think in the games we've played so far, Mickey, you've mainly played range-based. Correct. Either by casting or bow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So getting into the thick of it yeah. is going to be interesting. Cool. 
Well, I'm playing, or will be playing, a uh, human cleric who um, <coughs> I'll come up with a name before we actually start, but he doesn't have a name yet. But a human cleric, and one of the reasons I wanted to play this character was I had a personality all figured out. And when JJ mentioned he wanted um, a healer, I said, well, heck, I'll play the cleric then. I decided on cleric rather than um, bard or paladin for healing, uh, or druid, I guess, for that matter. uh, Because I thought for the environment, it made sense to have a straight cleric that would worship something exactly opposite of what we were about to get ourselves into. So I thought of the idea of the one and only... Deity I can always remember the name for in D&D Pantheons is Pelor, god of the sun and a life and healing and light and all that stuff. So with that, we built a uh, cleric of um, the light domain as we're starting at fourth level. I was able to pick a domain and, and get a couple of the cool stuff that goes with it, which means my guy's going to have, if I remember this right, burning hand, scorching ray, flaming sphere, and one other one that I keep forgetting from first level. But those are spells that normally aren't there for a cleric. So he's going to be all about light and uh, flame, I think is the way I'll, I'll describe it, rather than fire, because uh, it's a flaming sphere, whatever. But I'm thinking of everything, everything this guy does is going to be at the, um, at the command or the result of something Paylor wanted him to do. So it, everything is going to be driven by his devotion to Paylor, which um, it, with any luck will get on everyone's nerves pretty quick. Uh, he is going to essentially walk around with little scrolls about Paylor and try and hand them out to, <laughs> to folks. Uh, oh, man. Definitely an uh, evangelical Paylor follower. Uh, and there will be references to uh, books and stuff within his own religion. So the, like the, the scrolls of the sun and, and there will be quotes and things that, that come out of that as the character tries to make sure that, you, that all the people around him understand all of the good stuff happens because of Pelor, right? If there's any light at the end of the tunnel, it is the light of Pelor. It's very important. But he, he will also be with any luck, the guy who helps keep the party alive with the healing. He will definitely be, fo- be focused on healing while bringing the light into the darkest places. And this should be fun since my, pers- one of my, uh, my personality trait is I put no trust in divine beings. Exactly. <laughs> exactly at odds. And that, that should be fun, definitely. I like to, to experiment with those conflicts. Considering you have two divine beings in part of your party. Yeah. Uh, speaking of... Um, how are we going to be getting you guys together? Um, originally, the idea was that uh, Noctra, who is part of the um, uh, the Death House uh, adventure, mm-hmm. was going to be escaping um, Barovia to look for more help. And um, we can you continue with that, or we can just you know, have you guys be an established party. I'm curious what your guys' um, opinion on that is. I think when we talked about it last, I... Um I like the idea of, it was, I, I thought it wasn't escaping, but that she becomes the Revenant by dying there and being sent back by the Raven Queen. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Fair and enough. then she realizes at that point, because of where she was, and she didn't make it the first time, that she needs help. And, I don't know, we go find Goes the bulletin board with Nocturne's. you guys. Yeah, and we can come up with that story if we want, I think, to start it. But I think that was one way that we could do it. Um, yeah, would I would... Un- I mean, my character would be all over trying to bring light into Barovia, that's for sure. It would be unlikely that I would be in, a, in an ongoing party with a paladin and a cleric. Right. 
it would be you'd be recruited a mercenary almost right yeah i mean yeah i'm a monster hunter and i'm yeah. all about so if i hear that you're trying to eradicate undead and the, I, would, I wouldn't be opposed to joining you, but like, we wouldn't be natural friends to start. Yeah. We'd probably show up at the recruiting office on the same day, would be my guess. Are we starting out... Now, I don't know much about the world of Barovia. Are we so starting... Barovia we does, does not exist on any plane. Um, you have to travel to Barovia from one of the other planes. So, so Barovia is its own demiplane. Do you get sucked in there? Basically, yes. Are we? Are we... In Barovia when we start the adventure? And if so, is there a um, town or no, a city? No, you, you, you're starting on one of the worlds. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a couple different plot hooks here in the Curse of uh, Strahd. Um, there's the generic one. There's one where you guys are coming from um, the uh, Dragonlance setting. There's one coming from the uh, Faerun setting, Forgotten Realm setting. Um, a couple of is there ones. one that starts in a shed? There is none that start in a shit. Then we're going to make that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then there's just a generic, you know, you guys were in a fog and you yeah. showed up in Rovia. No plot hook whatsoever. So, and I think it, it, we'll figure that one out as we get started. Or yeah. maybe right before we get started. In true, try to prepare uh, for them for us. But uh, I think it is good for us to know that because we can start off with that uh, the regular stuff that we start off with the character interaction, learning the different characters, and knowing where we start. That's going to help us out. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Um, so, like I said, we've already uh, done a Tarokia tero- uh, reading, and that has allowed me to start preparing. Um, I don't think anything and else needs to be already said here. I do was going to say for the people at home. You talked about the replayability. Doesn't that come from the Taroka reading? Yeah, because um, the Taroka reading, what it does, allows you to randomize where um, the different uh, story points of the adventure are. Um, to play, you know, Strahd from beginning to end, it's 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 a big book, um, and there's tons of things happening all over Barovia. Um, you know, you could play through, and you know, you're following the. Uh, you're following the um, the story, you know, through the Taroka deck, and never ever go to you know huge sections of this, because uh, Strahd is only beatable by a level ten party yeah. with the aid of these artifacts and allies. Um, so there's there's a lot of replayability, there's a lot of uh, uniqueness in every adventure. So choose your own adventure with a lot of uniqueness in it. So it's pretty different from the other pre-published ones where there may be side quests that you skip, but yeah. you're still going to hit the, all the main spots. Exactly. This one, this you may one miss there, whole there's chapters. Exactly. It, it's it's kind of like a game of Clue in that you know you're you're getting to the same the same end goal, but you're going different ways. Cool. Very cool. JJ, did you want to read a beginning of something? I, I thought I remember. Well, no. Saying. That that's yeah. why I asked how we were going to be starting it. Ah. Okay. Anyway, we can wait till next time on that yeah. when we sit down to play. No problem. Yeah. I hope we've given enough of a teaser that people will listen. I think I think so. But then again, I'm a big fan of us. So I think we're great. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be a little biased. Well, this is because JJ's been excited to GM a bigger adventure. I think it's a good break for Joe to play. Sure. I'm super excited because I like vampires and werewolves and all those things that go bump in the night. Now, these and, aren't your... 
Edward Cullen werewolves. And, uh, uh, yeah, these aren't the sparkly nice uh, ones. Yeah. These are the bad ones. And We're I'm actually going to be fighting werepires and vamp wolves. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Mickey is just always happy to be here. I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> she is. Um, and I wanted to, to close this episode with an email we got from a fan, a fan email that we all, we, well, I think, frankly, we all got giddy over the email. It's such a well-written email to compliment us. And uh, I'm actually going to read it out, you guys, if you want to you know, react at any point during the, the, uh, the reading, go ahead. But I'm going to read it uh, from the start to finish. So first, this came in right at the beginning of June of 2016, and it is from a gentleman named Kurt, and it is uh, not the Kurt that is sitting across the table from me here. It is not. And the email reads as follows. Dear Shed Dwellers, my name is Kurt and I live, teach, and game in Tennessee. Let me start by saying that I normally don't send fan mail, but I realize now that this may be due to the fact that I haven't ever been a true fan of any product produced by real, actual people other than a corporate, or rather than a corporate entity. I'm reevaluating my taste in products produced by corporate entities. I started listening to your podcast with the episode Skeleton Pig Pile on Stitcher Radio, and I haven't been disappointed yet by a single full episode, despite some episodes on Stitcher either not playing over correctly or missing entirely, which hasn't happened for a long time. While I have played in GM games in systems like D&D, World of Darkness, and Multiverser, it was the Skeleton Pig Pile and the rest of your podcast that opened my eyes to the best game I've heard for both collaboration and freedom, Dungeon World. Additionally, I heard on a few episodes that you do take requests for sidebar episodes and suggestions for potential games to play. And he has a couple of things here. A, Joe, as Game Master, I find one of the most difficult things is to organize my notes during setup and gameplay. I would be very interested in seeing your and other GM's methods in a YouTube sidebar to showcase how you and other GM's choose to organize your notes. B, I recently read an article about a game called Microscope, and I will purchase from a local gaming store as soon as it arrives. I think your group would probably enjoy playing it. It's another collaborative world builder that is sometimes used in conjunction with Dungeon World. Regardless of these two requests being fulfilled or not, I will continue to listen and eagerly await your weekly episodes. Finally, I wanted to thank the main cast for what you do. I want to thank Joe for his insight and openness to create a collaborative space for individuals to explore their creativity and showing that to the world. I want to thank Brittany and Mickey for not taking anybody's shit and for representing what genuine players should aspire to be, fearless. I want to thank Kurt for having the balls to fail frequently. And I want to thank JJ for Strong Dawn and Calamity, two of the most original characters I've had the pleasure of witnessing. I'll keep incense burning for Strong Dawn until his return. Thank you all for such an informative and amazing show. Sincerely, Kurt. Aww. What a great email to receive. I mean, this is some, something that helps us keep going. It's yeah. good to know that people appreciate these things we're doing here. It's nice to know that people are listening. <laughs> yeah, so big shout out to Kurt. Thank you very much for the email. I uh, hope you enjoyed us uh, reading it on the air here. And as a couple of the, uh, as w- one of the uh, requests or suggestions that he gave, I've already been talking with the other members of the cast and I am going to be putting together a YouTube sidebar, essentially a short series of how we prepared for and ran our, ran our Alamon campaign. 
So that look for that soon up on YouTube, probably within uh, the summer this year. And we'll be referencing real-world examples, our notes, our exchanges of emails, things that we actually used to prepare, and how they really worked out. So that hopefully that helps out with that request. In the meantime, I think we're going to be wrapping up here with our Strahd preview, which will be coming out right before we launch our Curse of Strahd campaign at Adventures from the Shed. Uh, anyone want to add anything else? We got it. As always, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Good. Thanks, everybody. And then from here, we'll just say... Bye! Bye! Bye. We'll keep your chair ready for you in the shed, so come on back for the next episode where we officially kick off the main campaign for Curse of Strahd. We look forward to having you along for another ride. Thanks for joining us. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.